0: Forgive me would not be possible without our generous parishioners. A big thank you to Jordan Stillman and Brandon M. Crows for hosting a story time for the children of the St. Patrick's community. Everyone loved your epic adaptations of the parables with orcs and elves and dragons. We think the originals are probably preferable in the eyes of the diocese, but hey, whatever engages the youth, right? Uh, Next, thank you to Gabrielle Evergreen. We wanted to thank you for, well, it's actually more. We need to talk to you about a slight rumor that we heard from Margaret. Uh, She claims that she saw you playing the devil's music on your cello while screaming, I'm a witch! I'm a witch! I'm a witch! Is this true? Anyway, uh, regardless, thank you for your support. Join these lovely folks by becoming a part of our community over at patreon.com slash Rogue Dialogue.
2: In the name of of the the Father, Father, and of of the the Son, Son, and of and of of the Holy Spirit.
1: Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been six months since my last confession. What's on your mind? You're Father Ben, right? The new pastor? (laughs) That's me. Okay, great. I'll be honest, I used to go to confession like once a month, but I started to find old Father Clem a little too dry. I knew he was hearing me, but it just didn't feel like he was listening,
2: you know? I'm sorry to hear that. I've heard nothing but nice things about Father Clem since I've arrived here. I'm sure he was trying his best.
1: I guess what I'm trying to say is... I mean, my wife's in the choir, right? So I'm here every week, usually sitting in the back with her parents. And after hearing your first sermon last Sunday, I could tell you would be more able to get where I'm coming from. I'm honestly blown away that the diocese got wise and moved on from Clem and actually brought in some youth.
2: You know that Father Clem had a serious heart attack, right? Nobody chose to move on from him.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. It's awful. But you know what I mean. It's just cool to have somebody preaching who wasn't trained in Latin.
2: Well, I'm glad that however unfortunate the situation, it's helped you come back to confession. Oh, yeah. Sorry,
1: Father. Didn't mean to put you in a spot with that. Clem's a solid guy, but
2: I'm excited for new perspectives, is all. I'm Tom, by the way. Good to meet you, Tom. Uh, You know, if you'd prefer this wasn't anonymous, we could just go sit in my office.
1: Nah, it's cool. I know it's dumb, but I think this little closet and screen are a fun part of the whole experience. It's like I'm in The Godfather or something. I killed... I ordered the death of my brother. He injured me.
0: I killed my mother's son. I killed my father's son. (laughs) Is that... Pacino in part three? Yeah! Uh, See, I could
1: tell we'd get along. Now, people (laughs) hate that one, but it's my favorite. They show it on Stars almost every Tuesday. Uh,
2: You know, I think I remembered that that scene actually took place in the courtyard and not in a confessional booth. (laughs) Yeah, and you're some 30-year-old priest, not some aged Italian cardinal. I I just like the booth, okay? Totally understand. I am certainly happy to accommodate whatever opens you up to God. All right, cool. Okay, well, I guess I'll get into it. Sounds good, Tom. What's on your mind to confess?
1: Same stuff as always. I can be kind of a crap husband. What do you mean? Well, Emily is always telling me I need to work on my patience. She says I overreact and don't listen enough. And what do you think about that? What do you mean? Like... Yeah, I definitely can get annoyed with stuff pretty often. I think she gets caught up in her feelings, and so I try my best to help, but it's hard, so sometimes I get frustrated. Like anyone would.
2: And what would you say is frustrating you the most?
1: It's typical husband and wife stuff. Like, we're late to see her parents, and she's running behind because she wants to make sure David has, like, every possible thing he could want for the two hours we're gone. And I get pissed because I know Justice Walters, her dad. You've probably seen him around. He's the old tall guy with those small circular glasses that make him look like a snobby, uptight
2: owl. You know who I'm talking about? I wouldn't use that description, but I think I do. Yeah, I figured. Dude likes to make his presence felt.
1: Well, as you'd expect, Justice Walters is big into, like, structure and tradition garbage and is the type of guy who requires his own son-in-law to call him by his title. Like, good for you, Justice Walters. Just because you get to wear a robe at work and bang your gavel and put people in jail doesn't mean I should be forced to treat you like some
2: superior being. It's typically accepted that we should respect our in-laws, Tom.
1: Of course, I know that. But, like, whatever. I roll with it even though it drives me crazy. My point is that the guy can be a real smug jerk if we're late. And I know he'll say something that sets off Emily. And then I have to go home and deal with her being inconsolable. So I push too hard sometimes to get my wife to understand that her fucking pig does not need to change into a sweater to be comfortable for two hours.
2: Uh, Her... pig?
1: (sighs) Yes. We have a pig. Well, a mini-pig. Emily had this idea that getting a tiny pig she could take everywhere would be very cute and different and fun. I take it you're not a fan of the pig. I mean, I didn't have issues at first. Cute pet and makes her happy. But there are actually three big secrets about mini pigs nobody tells you when you throw down $5,000 to bring one home. Mini pigs are not cheap, mini pigs are not cuddly, and mini pigs are not
2: mini. Not mini? How big is the pig? (laughs) Two hundred pounds. Yeah, that's a lot of pig. You're
1: telling me? Our whole life revolves around this guy now. We even had to move out of our apartment so he could have his own room. Oh, and he hates me. Did you know pigs are like, competitive? The vet said they have alpha tendencies, so they want to establish dominance. This guy comes into my house three years ago no bigger than a paper bag, and even then he'd try and push me around. And now he's basically my rival since we're about the same size. What does that look like? So his main move is to find something I'll leave around, like an important paper or my wallet or something, and he'll just knock it on the floor and sit on it, motionless. I'll come in the room, and I'll see him peeking out under his massive butt, and I swear to you, he looks at me with these cold, hateful eyes. Emily says I exaggerate about the looks, but I swear that pig is a master manipulator, and she doesn't see it. What do you mean? Like the other day, my wallet was missing, and I'm looking everywhere, and I swore I left it on the table. I go into our bedroom to look, and of course, there's old David sitting next to my end table, and my wallet is nowhere to be seen. So I try and wrestle him to move, but he resists. He, he, like, settles himself in like a glacier. So I go to get Emily, because I know he'll move for her, and when we get to the room, my wallet's suddenly back on the table. I looked back at that pig, and I swear to you, he smiled. (sighs) It kills me because she thinks I'm making stuff up and says stuff like, are you sure this is really about David? And of course it is, but when you ask that question, then it's not about David anymore. It's about you not realizing how insane it is to keep a sociopathic pig in your house. And so, yeah, I sometimes get bent out of shape and will fight with Emily and then she'll get bummed out and then I get bummed out. It truly sucks, man.
2: I see. This definitely sounds like a challenging situation for both of you. You think? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's obvious. But I think it's important to recognize how you're dealing with it. You said this isn't pleasant, and your typical arguments aren't just about David, so what do they look like?
1: I mean, one of us gets annoyed, and then we both get annoyed and argue. Okay, I get pissed, and then...
2: She takes it too seriously, and we argue. All right, but what is actually said between you?
1: I mean, our fights are pretty short. Like, the other day, I came home a little late from work because it's the last day of the month at the dealership. I get home, and she and David are both on the couch. So right there, I'm pissed because, like I said, he's pretty huge and takes up, like, half the couch. and I just want nothing more than to sit and relax since it's been a long day. So... I go and I say, who, David? To the pig, just t- trying to show who's in charge since he's got that dominant attitude. And she says to me in a tone that's just like her asshole dad
0: You know, he responds
1: better to positive reinforcement. And that pisses me off because I don't want to give this guy anything positive for sitting on my couch, and she knows it. So I kind of try to move him in that moment, which is futile, because, like I said, the dude can set his body like a sumo wrestler. He lets out this totally pretend whine, and, of of course, Emily is like, Get your hands off of him! So I say, I can move him off my couch if I want. And Emily and I both know I literally could not get this guy to move if I tried, so I give up, and I try to ask Emily to get Get him him to move. move, but she actually just turns to me so cold and just says, No. And so I just sit on the floor in front of the couch. It's ridiculous if you can picture just me sitting there on the floor and my wife and this pig on the couch watching Top Chef. And if you believe it, they had everyone working with bacon that night, too.
2: I see. Tom, I gotta be honest here. I'm listening to you, and I'm looking for a confession but I haven't actually heard you own up to anything yet.
1: Uh, what do you mean? I told you I'm here because I yell at Emily. Like, I know I can get bent out of shape when it comes to that pig. I mean, it's not as if we didn't argue before, but it was better.
2: How were things before?
1: They were just easier. I'd come home and we'd watch a movie, no effort. We could leave whenever we want and stay out as long as we want. I mean, we'd still have to deal with the judge, but it was simpler. And the best was, Emily just got me. She was super chill and up for anything and would listen. And now she's so focused on David that it's like everything else takes second fiddle and that's bullshit.
2: Tom, can you cut the cursing? We are still in church. Oh, shoot. Yeah, sorry. got carried away. That's fine. I appreciate it. So why do you think bringing David into your lives has changed your marriage with Emily so much?
1: Because he's a 200-pound truck with no respect.
2: But what has having this pig done to Emily?
1: I mean, it's put her more on edge. She's worried constantly about the pig. She wants to make sure it has exercise, so she runs around with it three times a day. She knows it gets cold in the winter, so she's constantly switching out its sweaters. The pig eats a ton, so that's a hassle. She has to bathe it, and when we leave, she needs to make sure it's set up with entertainment so it doesn't get bored and destructive. We've already lost a bunch of furniture that way. Wait,
2: wait, wait. Does Emily do everything for David? I mean, yeah. Oh, come on, Tom. You have to see that that's messed up.
1: It's her pig! Like, look, I got her this because she wanted it, and I thought it'd make her happy, but it's her pig. And anyway, it hates me. If I look at the pig in the wrong way, it huffs at me. It huffs,
2: Father. Okay, look. I don't mean to tell you how to live your life, but I'm here <laughs> I mean, to-
1: isn't that kind of your job?
2: <sighs> I mean, not exactly, but yes. What I want to do here is figure out with you how you actually want to be better. You've said that losing your patience and yelling at your wife is wrong, and that's true. And you said I haven't confessed anything. But. Every time you talk about it, you excuse yourself and wind up blaming it on Emily or David anyways. The hairiest part of this process is ownership. No buts or becauses. You are the one messing up, Tom. And you have to admit it to yourself before you can do anything about it. (laughs) Come on, Father Ben. I came here to get this off my chest
1: and lighten the load on my
2: soul a little.
1: I appreciate the offer for free therapy, but if I wanted that, I have health insurance.
2: I understand that, Tom, and we can end here if you want. But I want to be clear, this is not therapy. My job is to identify the sins folks bring to me and guide them to resolve and move on. You're smart enough to know my mystical hand wave of absolution isn't going to stop you from getting annoyed, and it's not going to make it so that you didn't make the decision to adopt David. You're being prodded constantly with regret. You thought you were buying a tiny pig, and now you have something the size of an adult person right in the middle of your marriage.
1: You could say that again.
2: That's very difficult to deal with, and I think anyone in your position would get frustrated at times. It's totally understandable, but only to a point. The thing I'm feeling from you fairly strongly is resentment. Yes, for David, but also for... (sighs) Tom, let me ask you something. Do you love Emily?
1: (laughs) What the hell kind of question is that? Do I love my wife? Of course I do. She's amazing.
2: Sure, I get pissed at her sometimes, and
1: David gets between us, but yeah,
2: I love her more than anything. I'm sorry that question was so blunt, but it seems to a degree that, for you, the only reason David is still in your life is Emily, and I definitely sense some resentment about that. Am I wrong? What's I... Um... I mean, I, I don't think it's like...
1: Okay, I, I guess I do resent her for it a little, but that's normal stuff. We'll get through it.
2: Will you? It's obvious that David isn't going anywhere, and I'm honestly worried that unchecked you will only get more resentful.
1: What do you want from me, Father? I think I'm doing my best over
2: here. I know you're in a tough spot, Tom, but what do you honestly want from your marriage? <sighs> To get rid of David. Tough luck, Tom. What else?
1: I mean, all I want is for it to be like it was before. Easier. For Emily not to be stressed all the time, and for me to not get frustrated dealing with this thing in my way. But you're right. There is no going back with David in the picture.
2: Well, no, I didn't say that. Of course, it won't be exactly the same. David is a part of your life now. Part of your marriage, honestly. And I think that's something you need to accept. I wish I didn't. Well, you do. You said Emily is being pushed a bit to her limit taking care of David, right? I mean, if raising him is causing this much stress on you, who isn't lifting a damn finger, imagine being Emily. Doing all of this work on her own, on top of worrying about you. Have you thought about your responsibility there? I've already said that. It's her pig. But it's your marriage, Tom, and taking care of David is a part of that. Understanding and accepting that is the only way you're really going to get both of you closer together. Do you see what I mean?
1: Okay, so it's my pig, too. You think if I walk David sometimes, things will suddenly go back to how they
2: were? Obviously, it's deeper than that, but to be honest, it's a start and, frankly, a good penance for you. I'd like you to walk David once a day without Emily. Spend time with him and take it easy. That's rich. And if I were you, I would take Emily's advice and be constructive with him. Use treats or whatever you do to positively reinforce a pig. As you said, he's not going to let you push him around anyway, so what's the harm in trying? Other than that, I hope you'll consider coming back to confession in a couple of weeks. Does that sound acceptable to you? I don't know, Father. That's asking a lot. I'll see what I can do, though. That's all I can ask. Just remember, the goal of this is to connect with David. Embracing this pig as part of your life is the only way to have the space for Emily, too. Sure. Is there anything else, Tom? No, that'll do it. Okay. Would you like to say some words of contrition? God, I'm sorry for my sins with all my heart.
1: I'm choosing to do wrong.
2: And I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Ben. I'll see you soon. See you soon, Tom.
0: is a Rogue Dialogue production. It was written by Jack Marone and Bob Raymonda. Directed by Christy Donato and Bob Remonda. Sound design, mix, and score by me, Adam Remonda. Here's our cast. Casey Callahan, Father Ben, Derek Powell, Tom, and that has been Caroline Minx, Emily. <laughs> All of our graphic design comes from Sam Twarty. If you haven't already, subscribe to or follow Forgive Me on your favorite podcast player. If you really enjoyed the episode, rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Forgive Me is a very new show, so every rating and review helps. We also love to hear what you love about the show, so tell us in a review or by connecting with us on social media platforms by following at Forgive Me Show. Outright seeking and soliciting validation is probably a sin, so I'll plan to go confess with Father Ben later. We've got six episodes of this first season ready for you to hear. The Rogue Dialogue team is on a mission to make many more in the future. The only way we can do that is financial support from our generous patrons over at patreon.com slash Dialogue. By becoming a patron, you can get access to episodes of this show a week in advance, as well as a whole bunch of other content that we have planned out for you. We'll also be shouting out all of our new patrons right in the episodes. If we can reach 100 patrons, we can guarantee that the Rogue Dialogue team can make more episodes of this show and the others that we have in the works. So any amount that you can pitch in a month helps propel us towards that goal come join us over at patreon.com slash Rogue Dialogue. That's patreon.com slash Rogue Dialogue. No matter what, thanks for listening. New episodes release on the last Friday of every month, so we'll meet you back here on October 30th, 2020. See you then. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
1: Edgar said to the interviewer he was convinced that the thing out there wasn't a vault Yeah, all. I know what he thought. Dr. Eggers didn't think it was designed to keep things out. I know what he, he thought. He thought it was designed to keep something in.
0: Do you even understand the difficulty trying to keep a base like Fathom at the bottom of the ocean from killing everyone in it on a daily basis?
1: Oh, my God. Everyone hold on to something!
2: I think whatever is on the other side of that door out there, it's not friendly. I think it's trying to get out. That, my friend, is a dire combination.
1: That's a bad sign.
2: Get out of the door!
0: It's spreading like some kind of technological contagion. We can either stop it here or watch the world burn. Fathom, the first season of Derelict. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or learn
2: more at derelictpodcast.com.